Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us here for the podcast today. Speaking about friends, I don't have better friends than Tony and Jonalyn You, uh, Tony and Jonalyn are just faithful uh, members of our church, dear people. And they were in Hawaii and sent this postcard from Hawaii or brought this postcard from Hawaii. It says North Shore Macadamia. And I do like macadamia nuts. So beautiful. And they talk about how special and powerful and wonderful God's creation is. And thank you, friends, for sharing that postcard with me today. We are in Jeremiah chapter number seven. If you want to follow along, we're beginning at verse number 12 today. Remember, Jeremiah is poised at the entrance of the temple, an odd place, because you would think that the temple would be the last place people would need to hear a message of rebuke. I mean, after all, if you're coming to the temple, you must be coming for the right reason. If you're coming to the temple with a sacrifice, with an animal sacrifice, and with a heart to worship and to sing, and with uh, hands that have been washed, and a uh, you've been ceremonially cleansed to, to walk in, you would think that your heart would be right, and yet... Nothing could be farther from the truth as these people needed to amend their ways, amend their doings, get right with God. And Jeremiah was there preaching, preaching right at the entry of the temple. Look at verse number 12. But go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh. Very interesting. So in this message that Jeremiah is preaching, he wants to give an illustration. Of course, it's the Lord's message. So the Lord offers this illustration to these people because the people are thinking there is no way that God could be displeased with us. There's no way that God would judge us. I mean, look at this beautiful temple. We've got no one's going to take this temple from us. Uh, This is there's no way we'll be judged. They were putting all of their security in the building itself. And so now God is giving an illustration to them that indeed I am ready to judge. And indeed, your trust in this temple is entirely misplaced. And as an illustration of that, he brings them back in their mind's eye into their history to another place where the presence of God used to dwell. Now understand that when God gave the tabernacle with all of its furnishings, remember that after at Mount Sinai, and how that the, the tabernacle, the center of the tabernacle itself was the Holy of Holies, inside of which was the Ark of the Covenant, the overlay of the mercy seat and the Shekinah glory of God. And for all those years, the tabernacle, the tent would be another another name for the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, would travel with them as they would wander in the wilderness, ultimately come over the Jordan River, and then finally find a resting place in the land of promise after the time of conquering under Joshua in a place called Shiloh. 
and there for 369 years. Now think about that. That's a long time. For 369 years, all during the time of the judges, uh, the tabernacle was at Shiloh. And people would come to the feasts at Shiloh. And the priest would live at Shiloh. And the presence of God rested at Shiloh. Remember the story of Samuel, uh, the last judge, the one that anointed the very first king of Israel, Saul. Remember, and David, for that matter, remember Samuel was brought to Shiloh by his mother Hannah after he had been born at the, remember the, the, the prayer of Eli and the prayer of Hannah, the prayer of Hannah, really, and how God had miraculously given her, this barren woman, a child, Samuel, and it was raised by Eli that was at Shiloh. So Shiloh was a special place in Israel's history, and yet it was at Shiloh that the ark of God had been taken by the Philistines. Remember, uh, Eli thought wrongly that the reason why Israel was losing to the Philistines was because Israel had not brought it into it, the ark of the covenant, into the battle. So if we only bring it with us, it will save us. Well, what, what mistake was Eli making? Eli was making the same mistake that the people of Jeremiah's day were making. And that is that somehow the things of God bring blessing. Like for Jeremiah's day, it's the temple. We're blessed. Look at the temple. For Eli, well, we're going to win the battle. We're blessed. But look at the Ark of the Covenant. They weren't realizing that God wasn't, God wasn't blessing things. Uh, God wanted to inhabit their hearts. God wanted their, their heart to be right and close to God. But they were erroneously thinking it was what God had given and not being right with God himself that was the issue. And remember what happened there in 1 Samuel chapter 4. The ark of God went out into that battle. The Philistines stole it. And although it did eventually come back to the house of Joshua and then later on uh, eventually back to Jerusalem, it never went back to Shiloh. Shiloh was destroyed. It ceased to be a place uh, where God met man. It ceased to be that place. And eventually, of course, Shiloh, years later, was destroyed along with all the northern kingdom by the Assyrian invasion. So in this message that Jeremiah is preaching at the gate of the temple where the people aren't seeing themselves, God gives Jeremiah this illustration. Okay, you people that think you're never going to see the judgment of God, you people that think it'll always be the same old, God's never going to call you into, into uh, call you on the carpet, so to speak, for your disobedience. Look at verse number 12. Go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh. So here's the illustration. Where I set my name at the first and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. You go look at Shiloh and tell me what you see. Now, they all knew what this message meant because they all knew there was nothing in Shiloh. Shiloh is desolate. I've been to Shiloh on numbers of occasions. You know, you, you know what it is today? Rubble. It's just ruins. There, there's nothing there. Why? Because God allowed it to be overrun because they, they disesteemed it. They weren't viewing it as a place to meet God. And so what God is saying through Jeremiah is, listen, I did it before, I'll do it again. Just go to Shiloh and see what's there. You're going to find 
total destruction. Look at verse number 13. And now, because you have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, hey, I've been talking to you for a long time, but ye heard not. I called you, but ye answered not. I've been speaking. I've been sending prophets. I've been reminding you. I've been shaking you. The alarm clock's been ringing, but you've just not been responding. Therefore, will I do unto this house, which is called by my name, just like Shiloh was called by my name. This house is called by my name, wherein you trust, just like they trusted, nothing will happen to us. We've got the Ark of the Covenant. So you're trusting nothing will happen to you. We've got the temple. So this place called by my name, wherein you trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and to your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. I did it before. I'll do it again. I am not a respecter of persons. You are not the exception to the rule. And I will cast you out of my sight. So I have cast out all of your brethren, as I have cast out all of your brethren. That would be the northern kingdom. Even the whole seed of Ephraim. So God now introduces a second illustration. Hey, check out Shiloh. I did it before, I'll do it again. And by the way, your brethren, the northern kingdom, there were 10 tribes. Where are they? They are gone. Why? Because the same warnings I'm giving you, they did not listen to. They had the blessings. Uh, They had the warnings. They had the time of long suffering and mercy, but they crossed the line and so have you. Verse number 16, therefore pray not thou for this people. Now this is very interesting because the message seems to be over in verse number 15, where God has spoken through Jeremiah to the people. Now in verse number 16, God is speaking directly to the preacher himself. God's speaking to Jeremiah. And what does God say to Jeremiah? Look at verse 16. Therefore, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. This this is one of the saddest verses I've ever read in the Bible. Because essentially what what God is saying here is, Jeremiah, don't, don't pray for them. Now, I think the implication is Jeremiah had a heart for God's people. He's preaching, and, and every preacher, when he preaches, is hoping somebody's going to respond. I mean, when I get up on a Sunday morning and preach a message, I'm hoping that people will listen. I'm hoping that people will take it to heart. I'm hoping that people will make decisions for the Lord. I mean, that's what every preacher hopes, and, and that's what we pray for. And so no doubt, Jeremiah, Lord, work in their hearts and Lord, change them and, and Lord, bring them back to you. And no doubt Jeremiah's heart was to pray for them, but Jeremiah didn't know what God knew. And God knew that this message was falling upon deaf ears. God knew that this message was falling apart upon hardened ground. And so God said, Jeremiah, don't bother praying. I already know they're, they're not listening. Don't bother praying for them. They're not going to listen. They're not going to hear. What a very sad thing for God to say, hey, listen, don't even bother praying for them. Now, I know you're probably thinking, oh, does that mean there are people in my life for whom I shouldn't be praying? No, you're not God. 
Okay. And so unless God physically tells you don't pray for somebody, you probably ought to keep on praying for them. But the point here is that God is showing us that people can get to the place where they have said no to God, no to God, until finally the only thing left is the judgment of God to to cause them to hear. My spirit shall not always strive with man. That's the Genesis 6 chapter where God said, okay, it's judgment time. That's what's happening here. Verse number 17 well, I, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're going to quit there in verse number 16 because we start kind of a little bit of a new section in verse number 17, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. So we'll give you a couple minutes uh, to yourself today. We'll quit a bit early, but we'll come back to verse 17 tomorrow. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time. God bless.